Hi, and welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast, where we use a unique combination of psychology, biology, and neurology to enact changes that stick. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and integrative health counselor, and the founder of Restore Body Balance, a unique eight-week program backed by science. And I am Nico Yutanis, the co-producer of this podcast, and today I'm going to be asking Colleen a couple of questions on today's subject, which is the influences on our immune systems. So to start off, I'm going to start off with a general question. What role does our immune system play? Well, Nico, there was recently a great article from hopkinsmedicine.org, which is John Hopkins, the gut where bacteria and the immune system meet. And it talked a lot about where our immune system basically lies in the gut. And the unique thing is when I was back at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition getting my health coaching certificate, I did an additional certificate in the gut health. And it actually, for the first time, was apparent to me that your immune system is in your body and your bacteria is outside the body. And yet, these two interact. So for example, certain cells in the lining of your gut spend their lives excreting massive amounts of antibodies into the gut. And another cool thing is that between 70 and 80% of the immune tissues are situated in your digestive tract. So just as we mentioned, the gut has to deal with pathogens in everything you digest. So it needs to be an effective immune system in a place to ward off attacks and prevent illness. So the GI or the gastrointestinal immune cells are known as pear patches and they protect the mucous membranes of the small intestines against infection by releasing white blood cells which are a combination of your T cells and your B cells. So boosting the action of these immune cells are certain strains of gut flora, and they prevent the pathogens from being absorbed. This is why it's so important to have colonies of good bacteria in the gut. And in fact, without the right balance of gut flora, your body can't really maintain good health. So going off of that a little, How crucial is our immunity to our bodies? Well, apart from having a serious disorder like an autoimmune disease, a strong immune system reduces the number of colds and flu and other antigenic conditions that plague us. When the integrity of the gut is compromised, it can lead to what we call leaky gut. And that is where invaders can creep in, like undigested food, gluten, and bacteria through these tiny little holes in the gut lining. But having a diet rich in whole unprocessed foods will encourage the growth of good bacteria in the gut, helping to establish a strong immune system. So some steps to improving gut-related immunity would be eating a probiotic, let's say, Acidophilus icaceae and L-Rhamnosus, don't quote me on the pronunciation, um, and increasing your fiber intake, also increasing omega fatty three acids while the research is showing decreasing omega-6 levels, certainly exercise, getting restorative sleep, and of course, lowering stress. So that was really interesting, some of the things that you can do to improve your gut-related immunity. But that led me to think, what are some of the outside factors that influence our immune systems? 
Well, let's revisit stress. When I was getting my certification at the Benson Henry Institute at Mass General Hospital in concert with Harvard Psychiatry, they were looking at this idea of what Dr. Herbert Benson, the renowned cardiologist, called allostatic loading on the body. And the number one way to load our oxidative stress was stress. So what exactly is oxidative stress? Well, um, the stress-based response is activation of the body's stress system. And in the short term, it gets you out of harm's way, the fight or flight response. But as I say to my clients, chronically hanging out there, you can develop multiple cellular imbalances. Also, a more aggressive cellular inflammatory response because we use more oxygen. And then again, chronically over time, you're in overload. In fact, when you're looking at fight or flight hormones and what is released, there are things like epinephrine or adrenaline, which floods the blood and initiates a number of short-lived physiological changes, right? And we know in fight or flight, the blood goes to your fist to fight or your feet to flee. And your heart rate, happens to go a little bit higher or a lot higher. Your sweating increases, blood flows obviously to the limbs and the airways of the lungs expand to bolter breathing capacity. And interestingly enough, the movement of the digestive tract slows. So while all of this is going on, the cells of the immune system release pro-inflammatory chemicals called cytokines. And because inflammation works against injury and the spread of infection, this is also part of the immune system's way of gearing up for battle. So when stress goes on for too long, or AKA that allostatic loading or oxidative stress, it negatively impacts your immune function, memory, and risk for disease. That's really good to know. Um, we could have an entire podcast about the role of stress, the mind, the gut, and our mood. We sure could, Nico. Also, during these periods of stress, cortisol levels increase. And although cortisol is commonly associated with the rise in inflammation, in the short-term function, it's there to quell the surge that that stress has instigated. If a person is experiencing a bout of stress, Cortisol floods the blood and calms all of those excited inflammation-stoking immune cells. But if stress persists and remains elevated for too long periods of time, the body's immune cells and related systems become desensitized to cortisol's calming effects. And this desensitization also causes inflammation and that can rage out of control. Some of the latest and most compelling research on stress is out of our very own Mass General Hospital in the Cardiac Psychiatry Research Program. And here, it mainly looks at stress and the effects on the gut, from secreting gastric acids and other digestive enzymes to changing the mobility patterns, both in the small and large intestines. So stress can really change not only the composition of your gut's ecosystem, but obviously the bacteria and what we're calling the microbiome. That's really alarming that stress can have such a toll on your gut. How can we combat these ill effects of stress to protect our immune system? 
Well, again, all of the above, eating whole foods, specifically now we're adding fermented foods, pro and prebiotics, certainly exercise, and my favorite, meditation and mindfulness. Uh, here in my practice, Restore Body Balance, we look at breathing exercises and specifically what Dr. Herbert Benson called eliciting the relaxation response, which puts us back into that lovely parasympathetic nervous system of rest and relax, rest and restore, rest and digest, rest and reproduce. Well, you're right, Colleen. And since you're certified to teach SMART stress management and resiliency training, that should be on our agenda for yet another informative podcast. Absolutely. So are there any other foods or supplements that can enhance our immune system? Sure. Your gut bacteria actually need fiber to thrive. And so build your meals around plants. The reason for this is that plants are full of fiber and probiotics, just as well as polyphenols, antioxidants are key to the gut health. When you eat polyphenol rich foods, which also give food its color, your body produces byproducts that influence your gut health and really your overall health. So I always say to people, aim for generous helpings of non-starchy vegetables like spinach, broccoli, zucchini, green beans, and some plant-based fats like avocados, nuts, seeds, and their butters, uh, olive or olive oil. And if you could throw in a portion of some fruits and starchy vegetables, healthy ones like butternut squash or sweet potatoes, you're in business. I always like to say to my clients, try to eat a rainbow at every meal. And ideally, for some meals, if you could swap out your meat for a plant-based protein like beans, legumes, and lentils, you're on your way to restorative gut health. That's really interesting. I recently just tried the Beyond Meat sandwich at Dunkin' Donuts, and that was swapping out more or less meat for a plant-based. And I'm sure it's not as healthy as, say, a whole food sandwich, but it is a healthy alternative to the meat that is normally in a sausage, egg, and cheese. And that was also interesting about prebiotics. I've heard of probiotics before, but I've never heard of prebiotics before. So what are the differences between prebiotics and probiotics? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Nico. And, you know, the jury is still out on the use of probiotics because largely the industry is not regulated. So if we just look at the heart of what probiotics mean, it's for life just the same as antibiotics are anti-life, probiotics offer a method that's very distinct from our diet, okay? And what we're doing with probiotics is actually furnishing the microbiota in the gut. So along with a proper diet, you can impact your health in a very beneficial manner. As probiotics drift through your digestive tract, these probiotics communicate with the other current quote-unquote residents, our resident microbes of the intestinal tract and the intestinal cells. So enjoying probiotic foods like yogurt, miso paste, kombucha, sauerkraut, kimchi, and sourdough bread, one of my favorites, um, is a really good idea. These foods also help your gut with healthy bacteria. As for prebiotics, they are the non-digestible carbs that feed healthy gut bacteria, such as specifically Jerusalem artichokes, garlic, leeks, bananas, and asparagus. 
So Nico, speaking of kombucha, you told me a very interesting story recently. Do you mind sharing? Sure. I'm a huge advocate for kombucha. I really enjoy it just as an afternoon pick-me-up, an alternative to coffee. And I was in LA and I was at this grocery store called Air One. And Air One, for people who haven't been or haven't heard of it, is kind of like more or less a Whole Foods, but it's a smaller shop. And it's been around for over 30 years. And it piqued my interest one day when I was getting kombucha and I saw a sign that said the first bottle of kombucha was sold here. So I looked on the website and I heard about the story of how kombucha came to the US. It's this guy, GT Dave and his family who were gifted a Himalayan mother scoby, which is a symbiotic culture of bacterial yeast in the early 90s. And that was just for their personal use. They were drinking it every day after their trip to the Himalayas. But in the late 1990s, his mom unfortunately came down with cancer and it was a highly aggressive form of cancer. And when she healed, she shared with her doctors that she'd been drinking kombucha because her recovery was kind of an anomaly. So inspired by his mom's experience and how kombucha helped her, um, GT Dave decided to start his own brand of kombucha, which is probably the kombucha that you see throughout the stores. It's not GTS, it's GT, which stands for GT Dave's Kombucha. So it is kind of an interesting story of how a health food brand came about. That's really neat. Let's get back to prebiotics and probiotics. What exactly are they? Well, probiotics are cultures of beneficial bacteria that occur in the intestinal tract, specifically, and again, just, you know, bear with my pronunciation, is Lactobacillus acidophilus and Bifidobacterium bifidum and infantis. So I know they all sound scary and I may have not pronounced them properly, but these are basically thousands of beneficial bacteria in our intestinal tract. So prebiotics, on the other hand, are food components that improve the food supply in the GI tract so that the beneficial bacteria can grow and flourish. So probiotics or cultures of beneficial bacteria compete with the harmful bacteria in the GI tract for food and they prevent the transport of pathogens into the body. The probiotics also help the uptake of minerals from the GI tract, thus preventing deficiencies which can lower immunity. And I'm not specifically going to speak to cancer, um, but that is part of the recent research and especially here in Boston at the various hospitals where they look at where cells and you know, specifically helper T cells and even um, how, you know, they feed off of one another. And this, you know, if you eat a very high sugar diet, sugar needs to have more sugar to survive. So then you actually crave more sugar. Um, and that's when we really throw off our microbiome, which is why it's important to add both the pre and probiotics. So now that we know the difference, between prebiotics and probiotics, what is the difference getting your probiotics in a food such as a yogurt or a kombucha versus a supplement? Yeah, um, well, that again is, is what we're looking at right now. Um, we know for sure um, from the Microbiome Project, I believe started by the 
National Institute on Health. I'll have to look that up to be sure, but it's a whole microbiome project. And here we looked at when we're ingesting cultures of beneficial bacteria, we actually gain the benefits, but they decrease with age. So then we get lowered immunity. So by taking or ingesting both that lactobacilli and the bifidobacteria is important. So looking at both either in a supplement or organic form is important, but they must be alive. Uh, some yogurts kill off any kind of, I think maybe if you've gone to a market, it'll say live at active cultures, specifically the acidophilus bitifus. Um, but a lot of that stuff is killed off during pasteurization, not to mention the amount of sugar in some yogurts, which again is just feeding more sugar in your gut. But Kefir seems to be a great alternative. It's a very sippable, tangy yogurt drink, and it's also 99% lactose-free for those folks with you know, intolerant tummies. Um, there also seems to be things that are fortified uh, probiotics these days. I just even saw something in a magazine recently, uh, fortified chocolate. But I opt for natural forms like the kombucha, pickles, kimchi, basically fermented drinks and foods. Some of the brands I like in terms of supplements are Jaro, J-A-R-R-O, like probably Whole Foods I know for sure, but a refrigerated section of most health food stores and markets. And then another one that I just recently discovered is a company called Go Live, G-O-L-I-V-E. They are shelf-stable probiotic and prebiotics, and they're individually wrapped, so they're great for travel and they can come flavored or non-flavored and sprinkle them over any of your favorite unheated food or beverage of choice. The other um, neat thing that I give my kids is a company called Good Belly and they're a probiotic shot. They actually are these little tiny containers and when you take the foil lid off, it reveals a little smiley face and that's where you sort of drink your juice from. But they also have vitamins and calcium in a non-dairy form. That's really interesting. I'll have to try them out sometime. And also going back to kefir, or I don't know if I'm saying it right, GT Dave also just came out with a kefir line and I got to try it the other day and I tried the pink grapefruit flavor and it was so good and it did not taste like yogurt at all. It was not milky. It was more of like a soda. Oh, I'll be interested to try that. I'm always looking for something new. So going off of the products, let's get to one of the biggest products when you think of your immune system. Teas. Do teas help? Well, you know, teas have been around forever, right? Um, especially dating back to ancient Greece and China and India. Tea is a highly consumed beverage, really next to water. And the methods for preparing tea also differ throughout the world and depends on the type of tea. So I don't know if you've ever seen any of these tea shops. I know here in Coolidge Corner, the bubble teas are popping up and there's, I think, David's tea, right? Um, so different teas need to be steeped at different temperatures and for different times. And the length of time that the tea leaves are steeped actually affects their antioxidant properties and differs across the different tea types. So I know in one study, researchers tested three different types of tea, uh, white, green, and black. Two varieties of each were tested in hot water for two hours, and then hot water for five minutes, cold water for two hours, 
and then cold water for five minutes. And what they found was that the most effective steeping temperature was the time dependent on each type of tea. So in a white tea, the antioxidant properties were affected by time, meaning the longer time, more antioxidants, and not temperature. But in the black tea, the most antioxidant activity was found in a short hot water infusion or steeping. The increasing the time in the hot water actually reduced the antioxidant activity. And then the green tea showed temperature sensitivity, also was time dependent. So prolonged cold steeping, two hours, yielded the most antioxidants. So in addition, you also have to look at my personal, you know, sort of anecdote here is what type of tea do you like? So I love green tea. I don't so much like white tea. I'm also not a big fan of cinnamon. So I like the more bland teas. So that I also think would depend on what you do with your tea and any types of tea infusions. Again, going back to the bubble tea, you know, you have a little bit more sugar. So you also have to look at the benefits. And that um, study, by the way, was provided by the Institute of Food Technologies and there's a journal reference to that. So if anybody wants that information, they can contact us. So when we were talking about the temperature of tea, it kind of led me into this sub question. I know that the fever warms up the body in efforts to combat whatever illness someone may undertake, but does hot tea also contribute to this? Is this why we feel more or less better when we drink tea when we feel sick? That's a great question. And that would actually go back to my combining psychology, biology, neurology. Um, you know, again, I, I have very fond memories of my mom making me Earl Grey tea with milk when I was sick. So, you know, one would seek comfort in that. And if one is at peace and calm, we're actually going into that wonderful parasympathetic nervous system. And as we just said, when we're stressed, we're taxing our immune system and making any inflammatory response greater. So yes, from a psychological standpoint, if you have a warm memory or a cold memory, you know, someone I worked with for a very long time was from the South and they really just love drinking what he called sweet tea. And so, you know, that would go back to the psychology. The biology of it is sure, just like a fever kills off a virus, we just learned how different steeping in temperatures affect the antioxidant properties. And then certainly from a neurological standpoint, I guess that would be one of those questions that's still being investigated in terms of how it truly is affecting really how we are metabolizing things outside of the body. I'm not sure how that would be affecting the brain, but we do know for sure the antioxidants help with the free radicals. So, you know, if we go back to the research of Alzheimer's and memory, Certainly the green tea of China and certain black teas of India, you see where elders are living into, you know, well into their 90s and hundreds with, you know, great motor function and memory. So there must be a rhyme to the reason. That's very interesting. And thank you for offering all of those different perspectives from psychology, neurology and biological standpoints. And again, this is just speculation, but it was interesting to talk about it. And also and on our YouTube channel, we talked about tea and using tea as a mindfulness or meditative practice. So to wrap up, are there any last comments on what influences our immune systems? Yeah, so again, aside from a plant-centered diet, eating in a way that fits with your culture and budget is 
really, really important. And I also can't value sleep enough. Uh, one of my dearest friends is an OBGYN and she was just so accustomed to being on call and delivering humans into the world 24 hours a day. And she just recently said to me that she really is looking at the value of sleep now. So, you know, even as people in medicine are just coming around to value, not that go, go, go mentality that we have, but really taking that downtime for restorative sleep and relaxation. And don't forget also in deep sleep, we rebuild our immune systems and flush out those stress-related hormones. Another big one for me, of course, because of my certification through the Mass General Hospital and the Benson Henry Institute is meditation and mindfulness. You know, again, we can elicit that relaxation response. We can do that with minis throughout the day. That's the focus of the eight week program here at Restore Body Balance is that we look at ways that you can habituate anything, whether it's taking a shower, the cup of tea, cup of coffee, folding laundry, coming to a stop sign, any opportunity for you to do a little mini mindfulness exercise antidotes that stress. And when we're antidoting stress, we're stopping the loading of that, you know, oxidative stress and obviously affecting our microbiome and our immune system. So can't say that enough. And certainly people can find out more if they, they want to find out any little minis that they can attach to their day, they can contact us. So that's really fascinating that it's not just one factor. It's not just what you eat that contributes to your immune system. It's sleep. It's whether you're stressed or not, or in the allostatic loading, it's very important that all of those factors combine to nurture your immune system, especially today with the coronavirus going around. That's exactly right. And again, remembering that as long as we're keeping ourselves healthy, we have the ability to do our best when afflicted with disease or illness. Awesome. So if you guys have any questions, you can contact us on Twitter. If you want to hear more from us, click the subscribe button to listen to more podcast episodes on mindfulness, meditation, covering topics in health and wellness, and we'll see you guys next episode.